Hey there, and how are you? It's the 28th of April 2021 as I sit down to record this, which makes it a full five months after the first attempt at recording this interview got foiled by life. I have to say this about my next guest, he has the patience of a saint. I also have to say that every time I want to give up on the idea of God, or whatever you call them, yes, I use gender neutral pronouns for God, something happens that makes me go, oh yeah, you're still there. I know a lot of people who deconstruct, deconstruct into atheism, and you know what, if that's you, I'm really, really happy for you. Atheism would be so very convenient if I could make it happen for me, but I can't, because spirit seems to eavesdrop on what my heart or my wallet needs and delivers on it every single time. This interview with Mark Henry Sando Paradella is one such moment. I was feeling increasingly guilty over the amount of times I'd had to reschedule this interview. I was thinking, geez, he's going to think I'm so unprofessional. And that had already cast a shadow of stress over my mindset coming into this interview. And to be honest, I'd arrived at that day feeling the full weight of the trauma and loss that had marked me in my process of exiting evangelicalism. Because real talk, those days happen, even when you're thriving, even when you're doing everything right, even when you've done everything right. Those days happen, and when they do, you just have to feel them. So I dashed home from my ex-husband's place after putting my babies in bed. I kissed their little heads and argued with them that even though they're so big and four and three now, they're still my babies and they always will be. As I sat down to do this interview, I found myself feeling increasingly glad it's audio only because there were times when Mark Henry's words made me missed over a bit. There you go, honest introduction. This author hails from Switzerland and he speaks in a slow, measured tone, choosing every word carefully, and I got a heck of a lot out of it. So here's Mark Henry Sando Paradella talking about his journey through deconstruction and the book that was birthed in that process. Toxic Jesus, my journey from holy shit to spiritual healing. Uh, intrigued by the title? So you should be. I'm Kit Kennedy and this is Unchurchable. And didn't that tagline just explain it all? <laughs> so tell me, the, the book's getting good reviews. How... Um, yeah, tell me how it's been going and how the book came to be written. Wow, how the book came to be written is a long story, you know. And I'm all for long stories. <laughs> good, good. Um, I decided to write this book during the process where I opened my eyes to the fact that even if Years ago, you know, I, I began to deconstruct. I didn't yes. know this word at this time. I yeah. uh, maybe it didn't exist at this time. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I left in the year 2000. I left my work as a pastor. Mm. I was pastor in an evangelical church. And I have been for 15 years before to leave. Wow. And... I thought I left evangelical faith all all along, you know, yeah. and I thought it was okay for me. I thought I had turned my back on it, and it was no question, you know. Yeah. yeah. But three years ago, I really had to face the presence of toxic spirituality uh, infesting. My inner life, yeah. 
and yeah. the, the residues of a lot of things that I thought were way behind me, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to, to face it uh, through very difficult moments, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had to go through uh, bone cancer and leg amputation, which was very, very uh, tough Yes. Uh, trial for me, you know. Yes. For, for anyone, and, I think cancer would be. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can see yeah. how that would make you question. Uh, I can see how that would make you have some throwbacks from uh, from evangelical life. Now, yes. um, a lot of listeners of this podcast are kind of Australian and and uh, from the USA, but you're from Switzerland. Um, I'm from Switzerland, yes. Yes, you're from Switzerland. So the evangelical scene over there, is it quite similar to what you'd expect from churches in Australia and, and you know, the, the Western, I guess, iteration of evangelicalism? Yeah. The difference is that in the US, as I understand it, the evangelical scene is much broader, you know. Okay. The evangelicals have a political influence that yes. is very strong. Yeah. There are there are many in the society. Yeah. And this makes a huge difference. In yeah. Switzerland, evangelicals are really a small minority. Okay, interesting. You know, uh, in Switzerland, you've got mainly Protestants and Catholics. Okay, all right. That's interesting. And among Protestants, a minority of Protestants are evangelicals. Wow. But the main majority of people in Switzerland and in Europe as well, they are um, agnostics yeah. or... Mm, not interested in in organized institutionalized spirituality you know yeah. uh, there is a, a very strong tendency to consider that clever people people in the university people who have to play a role in society uh, they are a bit uh, discredited if yeah. they, they they say they are Christian in a way or another. Okay. So the more, the, the most people they would say, for, for example, in Switzerland, it's probably easier to speak about sex than to speak about religion <laughs> and believing in God. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. <laughs> the, yeah. That is the difference. But mm. inside the evangelical church, the church I was in was very representative of the kind of church you can find in Switzerland, evangelical churches, and it's um, conservative, not too much extreme, you know, yeah. Pentecostal, but not too much, uh, but, yeah. you know, very similar to anything you could find uh, in, uh, yeah. in now, the U.S. The only reason I kind of wanted to get that context, I suppose, is because, you know, in in kind of the USA and Australia and even England so much, we've got these, this toxic spirituality can kind of, we can look at it and see it when we see pastors kind of going for political power or for money or covering up abuse. Mm -hmm. 
that sort of thing, we've got those extremes. Whereas what you're painting a picture of here is a much more conservative scene, mm -hmm. but still in here we have toxic spirituality that needs to be addressed. And for you, like with many people, that came up at a very sensitive, very vulnerable time in your life. Um, yeah. So what was that like coming up against that kind of recognition that the the um, aftertaste of toxic spirituality mm. was still there? You know, <laughs> I must tell a bit about what happened around the moment Please. I heard that I, I had this cancer. Yeah. Uh, for years, I kept a strong interest in spirituality, but totally outside of the box of evangelical Christianity, of course. Yes. I, I learned to meditate. I became even a meditation teacher. Yeah. I practiced yoga. I, I did quite a lot of things like that. But I was totally uncomfortable with my spiritual history. Right. And well, yeah. It was very difficult for me when I was talking about my past as a pastor and as an evangelical Christian, it was always with a kind of irony and <laughs> a kind of bitterness, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> I can I can not only imagine. I can not only imagine. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. But and I was still you know, with a kind of spiritual longing. And sometimes I, I loved, for example, to go to a Catholic church, stay seated in a, in a row and burn a candle and yeah. silently maybe pray or even stay quiet. And, you know, I was touched by spirituality, but I wasn't comfortable with it because whenever I was considering my past, I was seeing both the fanaticism that was very characteristic of my own yeah. spirituality and a sincere love yes. and longing for what I could call the divine. Yes. When I heard the diagnosis of my bone cancer, I was terrified. You can imagine that. Yes. And I, I couldn't find sleep. I couldn't find sleep the, the, the night after. Mm. And I knew that I had to go through very difficult moments because I had to go through uh, scan, MRI, and the yeah. probable decision that I would have to face the amputation and that I would have wow. to agree to that. So I was terrified. I was, you know, not able to, to find sleep. And I just did what I was teaching others to do. I, I began to meditate you know, just concentrating on my inhalation and exhalation yeah. Yeah. and trying to calm down a little bit my system. Yeah. And I did something, I don't know why, that I had never done before. I used the name of Jesus as a mantra. Oh. And, okay, Jesus inhalation, Jesus exhalation. Yeah. You know, because Jesus still was a very positive figure for me. Yes. And I didn't know why, but I did that. Yeah. And in a question of minutes, I felt a peace that was totally unexpected. Yeah. And that gave me yeah. really a place from where 
I was able to consider what was happening to me. Yeah. To consider my my very difficult feeling to to embrace, I could say, to embrace my anger, my sadness, my terror, uh, yeah. everything. And this experience for me was very special and very spiritual, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. was a spiritual experience that I had never experienced before. That is so interesting and perhaps quite poignant because, um, okay, so I... Um, after my, like, I've had a few toxic experiences with church, but, um, and, and you've listened to some of my podcasts, so you're not, no stranger to what some of that is. But in the last kind of five years, oh, hang on, yes, in the last four years, I'd been going mm-hmm. to a church that was quite nice. It was quite nice. And then when I moved down to Melbourne, it's been the first time that I've actually had to sit with what church kind of meant versus what Jesus meant versus what the Mm -hmm. divine meant versus what I wanted spirituality to be. And in the lead up to Christmas, there's this place just near my house and it had a billboard on the corner and a church hired the billboard and they said, if you're looking for peace in your life, try Jesus. Nothing (laughs) removed the peace from my life than seeing that billboard. Every time I drove past it, I'd feel so angry. Mm -hmm. I'd feel very agitated. And I'd be like, what is this? And I had in the back of my mind that this interview was coming up um, because it seems so obvious to us now that the Jesus we've constructed Mm -hmm. is not actually the Jesus of the Bible. And and it it makes me, because, you know, we've got white Jesus with his blonde hair and his blue Mm -hmm. eyes and his Mm -hmm. clean-shaven face. Dude, he was Middle Eastern. (laughs) And we kind of, and we construct Jesus to suit our needs. And I've been wondering how do you. His main main concern is don't watch porn. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Sex. That was all Jesus worried about, apparently, is what other people were doing in their bedrooms. Yeah, exactly. Um, So how do you construct a positive spirituality when you've got these throwbacks, these these traumas that are sometimes quite deeply held below the level of consciousness almost? You know, when I had this experience, mm. it, it was very uh, surprising to me. Yeah. And I questioned it. I yeah. wondered, but is it a relapse in yeah. my oh. old way of thinking? <laughs> you know, yeah. like a, like an, a drug addict that goes yeah. back to, to the thing he knows because it was such a trial that I was going through. Yeah. It could have been a kind of strategy of my... Mm. Know of my being just to um, what yes. I was saying is was it a kind of was yeah. it a kind of relapse in my old ways of facing reality? Yes, I was really. Th- this experience supported me. I could go through uh, the difficult moments. I could go through my amputation. I could go through the the time of recovery. And every time I was meditating using this Jesus mantra, Mm. this peace was coming back, which was very, very, for me, it was surprising. And during, I think, almost two years, I couldn't speak about it without crying because I felt it so beautiful and precious. Mm. But I... I had to process it a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because 
I've got an image to, to explain that. This yes. experience, in my opinion, was a kind of authentic spiritual experience. Right. And the, the figure of Jesus was, for me, the, the figure that was expressing or encapsulating the most the divine mystery. Yeah, yes. And it gave me a kind of pivotal point or a, a special perspective. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, <laughs> it, it's because of this experience that I began to reconsider my spiritual history yeah. and to become aware in a very, very precise way of what I call the toxic Jesuses in my book. You know, okay. it was like when you when you have a stone on the a big stone in the in the countryside and you take this, this stone and you you see what is under the stone. Yeah. And you see a lot of little insects and worms <laughs> yeah. beginning to crawl in panic because they are exposed to the light. Yes. You see yes. that? You see this yes. image? So for me, this experience was a bit like this light that exposes the toxic ways I was experiencing spirituality. That is and, so interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's really interesting to me because when sometimes when we go through, like first of all, it's amusing to me to, that you feared this, this, this Jesus mantra coming up as, you know, a, a kind of reminder of your past. Often we, mm -hmm. we, we, we think of spirituality to be the cure to the past, whereas huh. the past really needs to be accepted and integrated. Um, but I was kind of amused to hear you speak about that in relation to Jesus. But I suppose the other thing is um, that one of, the, one of the toxic things I, that I'd certainly learned was that as soon as you'd leave church, like that that judgment would come upon you in some way or another. Mm -hmm. Was that something that came up with your cancer diagnosis? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> was that one of the toxic um, things? <laughs> no, but mm -hmm. I realized that it's one of the toxic diseases, of yeah. course. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very special because this cancer happened in a, a, a bone that is... Uh, when I was a child, I had a chronic and uh, genetic disease in the same leg. Ah, right. You know, yeah. and it really it was a big concern for me and for for my parents during all my childhood and teenage years. Yeah. And someday, my father, uh, who was really very much into conservative religion, yeah, he decided that Jesus had to heal this wound. <laughs> this. Uh -huh. This genetic disease, yeah, and it took me to a healer, a Pentecostal ah. healer, that whose specialty was to fix legs, <laughs> you know. Yes. and I had this session of healing uh, with him, with everybody applauding and uh, thank you, Jesus, uh, yeah. you have been healed, and so on. And the day after, we went to the doctor who said oh, nothing happened; you are not healed. Yeah. And I was still lame and still, uh, okay. And yeah. the, the fact of having this cancer in the same leg 40 years later really took me back in this uh, memory 
Yeah. And I began to realize how many memories I had that were truly traumatic. Yeah. Yes. And I began to reconnect, you know, with the 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 child, the teenager, yeah. the the young adult I was and who had to repress so many things. Yeah. To be able to cope with the this religious environment that was so important for his family. Yeah. And I really discovered most of the dynamics of this toxic Jesus mm-hmm. in going back to memories and in discovering how many hurt hurtful things poisoned and um, wounds were hidden into some of these memories that I could even laugh a bit about mm-hmm. until I began to do this process of you know unpacking them and discovering really how much poison was uh, I had to swallow during Oof. my uh, evangelic education and even after when I was a pastor. You know, I could maybe just read you the list of the toxic Jesuses Please. that I discovered I'm, and I'm all of them curious. I discovered <laughs> into, my, into these memories. Yeah. So Jesus, the negator, who wants us to dismiss our own experience, feelings, and intelligence. Ooh, yeah. Jesus, the punisher, who loves death and wants sacrifice and suffering. Yeah. Jesus, the magician, <laughs> who expects things to come from above and wants us to do the same. Jesus, the castrator, who makes humans small and disempowered. Yeah. Jesus, the oppressor who gives power to tyrants. <laughs> Jesus, the misogynist who hates and oppresses women. <laughs> Jesus, the patriarchalist who promotes every system of domination. Jesus, the enabler who covers abuses. Wow. Jesus, the fanatic who supports extremism and violence. Jesus, the Puritan who despises human experience and pleasure. Jesus, the pure spirit, disincarnate and antisexual. And Jesus Frankenstein, who gives birth to monsters. (laughs) Goodness gracious me. Yes. Oh, that's the list that hits you between the eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's so, um, these are the areas that I'm seeing on like Twitter, for example, and Instagram, uh-huh. where yeah. a lot of fellow deconstructors are starting to talk about their yeah. experiences and, and the things that are jarring. And, and really, you've captured them all in that list. Um, mm-hmm. so, so how do we unpack that without going down a rabbit hole that just, you know, yeah, how do, how do we unpack that and, and be okay? <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's that's some serious work. Yes, it's some serious about. work. It's mm. it's serious work. You know, I love spirituality. Yeah, and I, I don't have anything against religion, but both spirituality and religion, they they all always have two sides. You know. Yeah. You, they can be so much life supporting. And helping to helping us to face reality and so on. Yeah. But and 
they are so prone to become toxic when we begin to use them to bypass parts of our humanity and parts of our experience. Yes. And by bypassing, I mean when we use spirituality or religion, for example, to avoid to face some of our wounds. Yeah. Yeah. or to avoid to face some aspects of reality that disturb us. Yeah. What is And to, to go out of it, I think it's so necessary to do some deep inner work and therapeutic work. You know, if you want to be uh, involved in spirituality, I think it's necessary to yeah. do some therapeutic work in order to avoid this trap. And if you deconstruct, you you probably have to do this at some level in order to you know to yeah yeah it to, um, yeah it because like you left no, no, you left church a long time before you had to do this work like yes and I find that very interesting. I don't think really mm -hmm. any, I think everyone needs therapy because life is hard. That's my, um, <laughs> my mm -hmm. theory is that we all need therapy. So I'm totally on board with that. Um, but yeah, what I find interesting is that sometimes when we deconstruct, we can want other people to deconstruct exactly the same way that we do. Mm -hmm. And in that way, we're of kind course. of, imposing the same kind of dogma onto other people is uh -huh. what we've suffered through. But but you said a couple of really interesting things. One was about spiritual bypassing and or bypassing any part of our humanity. And I talked about I talked with this with uh, uh, two interviews ago with Jess Hugenberg from Welcome to the Process is uh -huh. that, is that uh, spiritual bypassing is something that a lot of churches do. Mm -hmm. um, good intentions, but quite damaging. Someone discloses abuse or discomfort or, um, you know, a feeling that they shouldn't do something or they shouldn't follow a certain directive, and we bypass it with a mm -hmm. spiritual reason. Oh, have more faith. Oh, God uses the foolish mm -hmm. things of the world to confound the wise. And, and we use these throwaway lines to kind of destroy someone's basis for having agency the power to make their own decisions or the power mm -hmm. to acknowledge that um and this is my favorite the there's this teaching we are a three-part being spirit soul and body and we treat these things as three separate things but kind of the spirit mm -hmm. as the purest version the mind is this problematic thing and the body is pure evil but in actual mm -hmm. fact we need more of a healthy integrated view of what we are because you know we are all three of those things and the body is good mm -hmm. and the mind is good, but reclaiming yeah. that's difficult. So the bypassing thing is really important, um, but it takes work to get past that, doesn't it? So yeah, <laughs> the therapeutic work is a real cornerstone. It, it's really a, a, a deep work of reconsidering all or all, all heritage, I would say, yeah. you know? During my my through my education, I learned to cast things away. Yeah, I I learned to repress things, mm -hmm. be it my emotions and sometimes be it the facts that yes. were disturbing my worldview. 
as a yes. Christian, you know. Yes. So I had to learn to do the opposite, to learn to embrace, to learn to integrate. Yes. And this I wouldn't have done uh, without the trial I went through, you know, yeah. because certainly there I had the necessity to do that in order to be able to maybe to survive and anyway to, to build this new phase of my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I realized that what I was going through was totally uh, revealing my the 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 deep problems I had in my relationship with myself with others, with reality, and with spiritual experience, you know. Yeah. I find that very interesting because, um, and perhaps perhaps this is one of my toxic Jesus, Jesus the predator who, <laughs> um, <laughs> who uses people's moments of weakness to sweep in and yeah, convert yeah, yeah. them to a new, way of, uh -huh. um, to a new uh -huh. way of living. Um, uh -huh. And in doing so, it allows us to sink into denial and to try to become divorced from our reality, I suppose, uh -huh. just put on a new one by faith. Um, yeah. And uh, hence a lot of people who have been, I, I'm using air quotes, saved into the Christian faith and who later deconstruct mm -hmm. have a lot to kind of reckon with in terms of, you know, dealing with trauma. It's almost like they're taken mm -hmm. back to that moment beforehand and have to grow through that emotionally again and um, mm -hmm. and learn to think for themselves again. Um, yeah, what, what has this been like for you? Because, again, you walked away from evangelicalism kind of 20 years ago mm -hmm. and managed, obviously you managed to find your way in the world quite fine until mm -hmm. this moment of trauma or trial brought up all of this stuff that needed dealing with. Um, yeah, what do you tell people who are really stuck in that place of how do I deal with trauma, how do re religious trauma, how do I learn to think again and not to fear my own mind or my own body? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's about five hours worth of content in those questions alone, but take it how you will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe to begin... <sighs> The, the first idea that comes to my mind is this, this pervasive presence of fear yeah. when you are an evangelical Christian, which yeah. is one of the reasons that made me deconstruct, you know, when I right. began to realize, of course, as a pastor, I preach about God's love, I preach about grace, I, I preach about freedom, but what do I see around me? Yeah, yes. I see a lot of fear. I see the fear of hell. I see the fear of the world. I see the necessity of, you know, yeah. doing uh, rock, Christian rock, Christian uh, <laughs> clubs, Christian activities, Christian anything by fear of what, we, what could happen if we were in in true contact <laughs> with, yes. with oh. reality, you know? Gosh. And this fear, I think, was... This fear is at the core of yeah. today's evangelical Christianity, yes. definitely. Yes. And this fear remains, you know? We, 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 when we leave the church, 
most of the time we take with us some of this fear. Yeah. And I've seen so many uh, ex-Christians and this fear comes back when you have some difficult moment. Yeah. Oof. Does it happen because I left the church? Does it happen because I left Jesus? And so on and so on. Mm -hmm. You see? Yes. And it's the same fear that makes us fear to embrace, for example, or anger yeah. our desires, many parts of our humanity. Yeah. Uh, it's this fear that makes us unable to recalibrate our inner compass. Yes. <laughs> you know, we, yes. we have learned not to listen to our bodies, not to listen to our intuition, not to listen to our gut feeling. Yeah. Because we were told that it's sinful and it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. And yeah. we have to, to listen to the Bible and to the pastor yeah. uh, and to all these things. And so we, we totally lost our connection with our innate inner wisdom. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it needs to face the fear if we want to reconnect with these parts of our humanity. And we need them so much, but we are not going to be able to make it if we don't face these fears. If we don't say, okay, uh, if, for example, I remember a moment in my process of leaving the yeah. church where I said to God, okay, if you are this God who wants to send me to hell if I don't do what you want, <laughs> if you are this angry God, I don't want to have anything to do with you and send me to hell if you want, but yeah. I don't mind. You know, you have to face this kind of moments where you, you listen to your anger, you listen to your rebellion, and there mm -hmm. is something very pure and uh, healthy in some rebellion. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So do, do you see what I mean? I do, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because the word rebellion <laughs> yes. was, is a terrifying word for a lot of kids like me. I say kid, yeah. I'm just turned 38. Um, <laughs> but, like, we grew up in evangelicalism and the worst thing you could be was rebellious. Um, yes. And yes. yet we see this Jesus who overturned the tables in the in the temple because he was so anti-corruption. Um, mm -hmm. And we also see a scripture that says God is love uh -huh. and a scripture that says perfect love casts out fear, and yet we have this gospel of fear and loathing that we need to live in order mm -hmm. to stay within the lines of Christianity. This is something I grappled with that really led to my ex well, my um, deconstruction and um, was, okay, if we, if the gospel is improving people's lives, why does it take the fear of hell to, con to convince them they need Jesus? Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, so there's, there's a few things that just really kind of resonated with me in that. But, but the, the purity of a little bit of rebellion, like you just said there, Please talk more about that. Help me understand that because I think still, even though I'm five years post kind of, I'm going to say fundamentalism, and mm -hmm. I'm kind of a year post church, I still mm -hmm. 
freak out about being yes. too rebellious. Yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. I think I think that today's uh, evangelicalism, to say the least, today's evangelicalism is this movement as a, a function. Mm -hmm. It's the function of trying to protect a way of life that yeah. is in the process of disappearing. <laughs> it's really trying to protect this uh, white patriarchal way, yes. traditional conservative way yes. of relating to reality mm -hmm. and the old social system that is around. Yeah. And this movement is so strong because the world is changing in a very, very rapid way. And the, the, these people, these usually uh, white male people who are in charge, mm -hmm. they, they feel this change. Yeah. The same people that vote for Trump. <laughs> you see? Uh, and this explains why the God that is promoted by these churches is a God you need to fear. Yes. Because you need to promote fear in order to keep control. Yeah. And it's really a, a process of domination. Mm. Yes. You see? So my Jesus, the Jesus I, <laughs> I discovered... Uh, through uh, this spiritual experience and the Jesus I discovered present all throughout my life, you know, yeah. sustaining, wanting me to grow, wanting me to love and enjoy life. This Jesus that I could reconnect with through this uh, spiritual experience, he invites me to growth Mm -hmm. He invites me to independence, yeah, uh, and he clearly invites he invites me to be angry and rebellious against this way of seeing the divine. Yeah, because this way of seeing the divine is uh, I could use a very strong word, but this <laughs> way of seeing the divine is a blasphemy. Yeah. You know, okay. it's it's the kind of uh, in the in the Old Testament. It's the kind of things that the prophets were calling the idols that you have to 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 break in pieces. Yeah, you wow. see, so this rebellion and this anger are totally legitimate and necessary. Yeah. and <laughs> I remember one one other moment in my deconstruction process. I was still an evangelical Christian, but I had decided to begin a therapy. Yeah. And it was a lot of fear in my heart about this. Yeah. Because I was thinking, okay, if I go for a therapy and uh, therapy with a non-Christian therapist, <laughs> yes, I'm going to lose my faith. And yeah. in a moment of, you know, praying and being in a quiet time, I had this very strong feeling of Jesus being here yeah. and saying, "Me, go for it." Yeah. 
I want you to grow. And you are an adult now. I don't want you to, to need to hold my hand during all your life. Yeah. You need to learn to walk alone. Yeah. Like a parent who wants his child to, to become able to live on his own. You see? Yeah. Yes. And it was very strong and touching for me. And yeah. it, it was precious to reconnect with this moment as well. Because when I made this, um, this process, you know, of reconsidering my spiritual heritage, I could reconnect with these little, tiny, precious moments where I was seeing the, the, the authentic grace and the authentic impulse of the, the presence of the divine. Yeah. And always inviting me to growth, inviting me to freedom, inviting me to, to autonomy, yeah 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 i i can i yeah that is encouraging to hear um i remember as a kind of a late teenager um uh or in my early 20s i was at university and i had this friend who'd grown up in church and kind of had this big recommitment moment and was forever mm -hmm. answering altar calls to become a christian again and for it you know like oh let's go to this movie on you know, Friday night, and he'd be like, oh, I've got to pray about whether or not I can go. And I'd be just like, oh, make a decision. Like, you know, like God's given you a brain too. Like, just use it. <laughs> like, you mm -hmm. know, um, and now as a parent of, of toddlers, I, I don't want them to, to stay in a, or of preschoolers rather, I don't want them to stay mm -hmm. in this incredibly dependent stage forever. I want yeah. them to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I want them to grow up. I want them to become empowered. I want them to make mistakes. I want them to push back at me sometimes mm -hmm. because that's how they mm -hmm. learn boundaries. And mm -hmm. um, it's also how I learn who they are and how they're going to be in the world and how mm -hmm. to parent them well. So I think we can kind of, it was only in becoming a parent that I realised how God must feel about me. It would be mm -hmm. so incredibly different to how I thought he did mind you now I, I i struggle to think of god as a white old dude in the yeah, sky yeah. I, I think of the divine as very different but i have to a ask, white old stubborn yeah. angry <laughs> father <laughs> yes who can see everything and is a little bit voyeuristic i don't know yeah, like of course <laughs> so i and very I narcissistic to... and very yes. very perverse and and this is the this is the God we've created yeah. in our image. And you're right, because like when you were saying about the stuff about rebellion, I was thinking, where is this in the Bible? But you're right, it's there in the small prophets who would call out, um, you know. For example, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's there in Moses and Aaron in the golden calf. Um, we've we've really we've made God in our own image in a lot of ways, and we've given rise to these toxic Jesus, Jesuses. Yeah. So how? You know, upon discovery that there were all these structures in your life which you call the toxic Jesuses, um, mm -hmm. how then did you go about dismantling them <laughs> and do you still have a spiritual practice? So the, the process of dismantling them, <laughs> it was something a bit like an exorcism. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
okay. No, it wouldn't be a whole the spinning no, effort, but sure. <laughs> I'm joking a bit, but uh, a bit, it's a good bit. to... <laughs> yes, but, you know, most of my work was to reconnect with the child I was. Yeah. Because I really found many memories from my childhood and teenage years. And these were the moments where I... Um, I submitted in a yeah. way to these toxic Jesuses. You know, yeah. for example, I remember the moment where the doctor told to my mother, your son is not healed. Yeah. I, I remember becoming totally blank. Yeah. For a, a couple of seconds. Yeah. And I know reconsidering now this moment that this is the moment where I was faced with the choice, okay, am I going to, to face this fact yeah. that I am not healed, that it hasn't worked, that my father was totally um, <laughs> wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or am I going to to repress yeah. my intelligence, yeah. to repress my feeling, to repress even what I see, you know? Yeah. And the child I was yeah. almost had no choice because he needed the adults yeah. <laughs> in charge. So he made the choice to repress his intelligence. Yeah. And I learned during the, 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 the following years, I learned to use my intelligence in order to justify yeah. my yes. creeds, my father's beliefs, instead of facing reality in an adequate way, you see? Yes. So reconnecting yeah. Yeah. with the chi this child and being now for him the adult that he needed at this moment, giving him the permission to be angry, to be yeah. sad, to be disappointed, to be to feel the shame, to feel all the feelings that he had to repress, and giving him the permission to reconsider this situation, and assuring him that I would be here for him and with him. You know, it was a really sweet inner reconciliation, hmm. and it gave me the space to to integrate this part of my past. Yeah. And I did that with a lot of memories, a lot of moments where I I faced these moments where I submitted to some toxic Jesus, you see. Yeah. And uh, you ask me if I have now a spiritual practice. Yes, I have one. Yes. Uh, definitely outside of the box of uh, Christianity or Christian <laughs> evangelicalism. But for example, I, Jesus is, is, I've got a relationship with Jesus that I had never had before. Yeah. And at the same time, I know that is, it is, this relationship with Jesus is just my way to, to grasp some of the great mystery that is always going to be away yeah. from anything that I can understand yeah. and imagine 
and uh, consider, you know, it's yeah. always going to be beyond. Yes, it's always it's, going to be beyond. Yeah. I think that's and this is so this is why I love to talk with people from other practices, yeah. with different spiritualities, with different religions, and to you know to to connect and to to try to understand what they experience, what they live, what I think is authentic and uh, life sustaining, and yeah. maybe what I could find um questionable in their practice but yeah I, I really want to to connect with people who have this same kind of uh, experience and to to let myself be enriched by what they what they live yeah now that's that's something really quite profound like this whole section has been really quite profound to be honest and I'm going to say exactly what I needed to hear today as well. <laughs> but um, I think I'm at the point where, like, I was sitting at my neighbour's table. She's an atheist. And um, I, I made a crack about how I don't think uh -huh. I'm a Christian today. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. I think. No, I'm not a Christian. I'm not not a Christian, but I'm not a Christian. <laughs> it's really hard to find what to call myself yeah. because I find that as soon as I even call the divine God or Jesus, mm -hmm. at this point in my spiritual development, mm -hmm. it calls to mind all those old boxes and all of those old structures. Yeah. It calls to I mind you totally. In it calls to mind all of those toxic Jesuses. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm mm -hmm. going to buy the book, and, and I know you sent me a free copy of it, but I'm going to buy it because I like to have hard copies on my shelf. But um, <laughs> but it calls to mind all of these, you know, these toxic versions of Jesus, yeah. and I can't function within that. But also yeah. what you so so I've got to find new words for it at this point in my life, and maybe at later yeah. on in my life those words won't be quite so triggering, but it's okay yes. to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I think we, we have a real problem with labels. Yes. Uh, for example, uh, I had a, a conversation with somebody who was interested by my book. Yeah. But he wanted to know, who are you? Are you a Christian? Are you a spiritualist? Are you an atheist? <laughs> are you an agnostic? And I was always answering him. That yes. I wasn't what he was thinking I was. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, he got pissed off. <laughs> he um, wanted to put a label on me. Yes. And for example, atheists, I think I've got the utmost respect for atheists. Yeah. And I think they, they help us. Yes. If we are not atheists, uh, yeah. maybe we are in the same time, but I don't know. But they help us to to always remember that the divine is beyond any way of reaching it. Yeah, yes. And, uh, I, for example, I love to talk about the great mystery. Yeah. And Jesus being just, for me, one way of yes. having an, a kind of connection with this great mystery, but totally outside of the box, of course. But yeah. I, I love this freedom that we have not to put labels on what we live yeah and, and to accept it as a work in progress you know yeah and that's the poetry of life isn't it to accept ourselves mm -hmm. as a work in process to accept 
that life and the divine is mystery. And I think Mm -hmm. if we accept, and often Christianity or evangelicalism can be people's, I guess, antidote to not knowing the answers is, you know, mm-hmm. is trying mm-hmm. to impose this structure that gives them all the answers. Oh, but, of course. But God yeah. is supposed to be, the divine is supposed to be a mystery. But reverting back to, I think, something really important that I think I felt rather than listened to completely <laughs> was your experience um, at the doctor, of the doctors of having to choose whether to, repress your intellect your understanding of what was happening or uh realizing that you needed the adults in your life i think Mm -hmm. i think you hit on something really profound which Mm -hmm. i'd like to say to listeners out there may require a bit of professional help to work through is because definitely oftentimes in my christian walk um i have had to repress something of myself in order to find psychological safety, emotional safety, or, you know, to not be singled out as being the one. In order to fit in. In order to fit in, but in order to be safe within my faith community, to have that perceived feeling of safety. And as a post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you know, survivor mm-hmm. um that is particularly poignant and there's a lot of people with ptsd mm-hmm. you'll see ptsd out yeah. there yeah, yeah. as a result of their experiences mm-hmm. sometimes we can beat up on ourselves because of what we repressed but we really need to forgive ourselves for what we couldn't do because mm-hmm. we didn't have the skills or the safety available to us or we yeah. didn't have the knowledge we need to be able to forgive ourselves yeah and um, realized that we were doing the best that we could at the time with the knowledge that we had at the time. And I find it really touching that you were able to kind of recognise that child in that doctor's office because I've had uh-huh. those moments too. I had an accident when I was 11 and I um, dislocated my elbow um, and uh, we didn't realise at the time but I'd also dislocated my shoulder and um, it kind of just grew out of socket for 10 years and I was in a world of pain. It was never investigated. I was on, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was in a world of pain. But because I was expected to be healed, I felt mm-hmm. like I was constantly letting adults down. So I would yeah. actually mask symptoms. Um, I would actually you know, just, just be dealing with this extreme pain so that I didn't. Yeah, it's, it's so sad. Yeah, I, so that I didn't kind of disappoint the adults around me yeah. um, who'd be like, you, what, what un, you know, unrepented sin are you hiding that, that mm-hmm. God won't, you know, forgive you for? Well, I was 11, you know. But you know <laughs> what you tell me, it's, it's very sad, but I think mm. most of people that grew up in evangelical families yeah, they they have some story like that. Yeah, and usually we minimize the impact it had on us. Yes, mm-hmm. I minimized it during decades. Yeah, and this is the poison that we need to to, yeah. to get to get rid of and yeah. maybe to transmute because when you you do this work of inner reconciliation, yeah, the this experience be- becomes a treasure of wisdom. Yeah. But you need to go through this inner reconciliation and to, to fully face 
the anger, the guilt, yeah. the shame, the 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 sadness, the the re everything that was involved and that has been repressed. Yes, we need to feel <laughs> yes. it. Yes, yeah, because you know what, those emotions are not sinful. Those emotions are primal. They are part of us for a reason. Um, I this an iconic moment in my life. I think um, just at the beginning of about actually, do you know what? It was two months before the beginning of my deconstruction. I can tell you, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, I just suffered my fourth miscarriage, and it was oh. being it it was being treated as, and I quote, a tantrum um by by everyone but my my wonderful then husband um and and that pain is real like when you don't know whether you'll be able to have a baby when you've suffered four losses in a year and i called my counselor who was a christian counselor i have i now have a non-christian uh psychologist i'm saying this on here because a lot of people fear having non-christian psychologists a good therapist will counsel you according to your own goals and values yes um and if you have one who's not counseling you to according to your own goals and values they're a bad therapist get another yes. one <laughs> yes. but but this this christian counselor came down and sat in my lounge room <laughs> and watch made me watch forrest gump the movie forrest gump and it's mm -hmm. a long movie, but there's this mm -hmm. scene in the movie where there's this sailor and he's in a storm and he just cracks and he climbs to the top of the mast and it's in the middle of the storm and he's just yelling at God, like just yelling and yelling and yelling at mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And I remember my counsellor saying to me, it's okay, God has broad shoulders, he can deal mm -hmm. with it. And that was when I first started to realise that anger was okay and that maybe mm -hmm. anger was an emotion that was there to protect me from things that were wrong mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you know and that was the first time that i really acknowledged that anger and sadness and grief has yes. its place in a healthy emotional yep. spectrum that we yep. can't just sit on the happy positive faith-filled acceptable mm -hmm. to god end of the spectrum and be healthy humans so mm -hmm. you know it's really important <laughs> It's, it's so important because when you use evangelical Christianity this way, you, you use it to numb yourself. Yes. You use it as a painkiller. Mm -hmm. You use it as a, a kind of morphine uh, or heroin uh, yeah. substitute. Yes. Yep. Yes. And yeah. what we need to do is deal with the root of the pain. Yes. And that often means looking at these these toxic jesuses these structures that we've built in our lives to to reduce ourselves and to reduce mm -hmm. god and to mm -hmm. and for that to become an agent for yeah. you know and to reduce our life and our ability to feel yeah yeah and to grow uh, yeah. so so what is life like for you now um you, you've I, I i noticed that you have had that amputation um mm -hmm. and that must have uh that must have been an interesting journey for you you've <laughs> this book which um you, you're very eloquent and you're very structured in the way that you move through all of this but i also think that you would be a great meditation teacher because 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but so so what is your I think your life, your your spiritual, hmm. you know, yeah, like what's it like for you now? Wow. <laughs> As the word you used uh, interesting <laughs> is a good word. <laughs> it's so descriptive but not. You know, in in a way, in a way it should be the worst moment of my life i i have to learn to to live with one leg yeah. and uh, with the i'm not totally uh, free of the fear of cancer because yeah. i've got uh, i still got a chance of uh, it coming back during the the three yeah. years that are ahead so it should be a very painful and difficult moment mm -hmm. and yet it's incredible because, but but through this experience, through this process that I describe in in my book, uh, <laughs> I think I've never been so alive. Yeah. For all my life. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I've taken this uh, trial as an opportunity to redefine some parts of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I really develop now my work as a meditation teacher, but not only that, my work as a counselor, yeah, a spiritual and psychological counselor, yeah, and um, what can I say? <laughs> I I feel the the juice of every moment of my life. If yeah. if you see what I mean, yeah. Uh, I feel the ability to to embrace reality in a way that I had never experienced before. Yeah. Even during these twenty years where I had left my evangelical faith and I was enjoying life and life was beautiful, but now something has shifted yeah something in my perspective has shifted and something i discover is that i am now able to treat myself with respect and tenderness hmm. in a way that was totally unknown to me even uh four three years ago yeah, yeah. wow i think if there was anything for deconstructors to work towards, it would be that. It would be to be able to feel the juice of life in a way that you mm -hmm. never had before, to be able mm -hmm. to treat yourself with respect and tenderness. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's a good place to end this interview on. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. I, like I said at the beginning, this interview had been rescheduled uh, a few times and there was another stuff up tonight and and I'd kind of I was a little bit frustrated over why had it been so difficult to <laughs> schedule this particular interview but I will say that just before it like earlier on this evening I'd sat down to blog about this this movement that's happening on Instagram at the moment religion shouldn't hurt and I, mm -hmm. I went to sit down and write about the conditioning that goes on when we are when we grow up in these environments and it just saddened me so much that I had to shut mm -hmm. the computer and walk away and I said I went over to my ex-husband's house to, for dinner and to put the kids to bed and I said to him 
you know, this sucks because when you've grown up in an evangelical environment and you've walked away from it, it can be really difficult to feel fully alive because mm-hmm. we used to be drunk on this this spiritual mm-hmm. grandiosity mm-hmm. of That's life having totally, so yeah. much more meaning. Um, mm-hmm. And he just said, yeah, I get it, I get it, but I don't have any answers. And I think it's been a wonderfully, perfectly divinely timed interview to have this discussion with you today so to all of the people listening to this one I would I would strongly suggest that you buy yourself a hard copy of Mark (laughs) Henry Sando Paradella's book Toxic Jesus because you want to be able to write all over it you want to be able to write in the margins and and kind of mark what comes comes up for you but also I think it's very important to do the therapeutic work um, that is involved in showing all parts of our lives all memories the compassion and the dignity and Mm -hmm. the respect that they deserve in in healing so thank you so so very much for uh, this interview today and um, Ah, thank you for your invitation it was (laughs) really great to to know you and to talk with you Yes, thank you so much. I'm Kit Kennedy. This is Unchurchable.